Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. scripture up are we ready you put that and you don't have to stand or anything with me so but let's say this aloud together this is from Romans and it's where we ended last week so would you say with me what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I want to thank you that your word's eternal. Doesn't shift, doesn't move around, doesn't say something other than what it says. Thank you that your word was in the beginning. And Lord, we even took the word and put it on printed pages. But that word is you. The words we read are to reflect and to cause us to think about the real word, the manifest word, the Son of God, the living word. We ask that in it we would see you, and in seeing you, we would be transformed. You've made us new. We ask that we would see new things. I ask that the eyes of our discovery would be opened up, that we could see beyond the, the earthly things. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been meditating a lot over break, over uh, 2014, and about God, and about his goodness, and all, all, the, all the stuff, and mostly, mostly about uh, God's unconditional love, and how he just, he doesn't change. He is the only steadfast, sure thing. Not only in this life, but in life. He just doesn't change. And I want to look at that this morning. I'm, the other thing I've been thinking about is this. God's been challenging the way I think. And I think pretty good. Do you remember that old movie, Hook and Tinkerbell? And when she was that, that big, and in order to get big, what'd she have to do? Do you remember? She had to think big thoughts. So I've been speaking to my, my Tinkerbell, my, my little soul, and going, oh, think big thoughts, Tinkerbell. Think big, you know, and it's just like, ah, I, wanna, I, I just want to get big. And I've had just a sweet presence of the Holy Spirit just inviting me to see things different. The very thing that we read was part of it. So often when we see an if in the word of God, we immediately start thinking conditionally. Because if means then there's a then, right? If, then. And it sounds like a negotiation. But you know, almost every if in the New Testament is written not conditionally. It, it is written from a conclusive point. This if God is for us, 
Paul's not trying to get you to question or enter into a negotiation. He's making this conclusion statement. If God is for you, what? Who can? Who can be against you? So I've had the Lord interacting with me. It's been wonderful. And saying, look, if you start looking at the end of the matter and, uh, and stuff. And then I, I read this from another book, but it's, it's quoting John Piper. And he said, too many believers are caught in, in what he calls the debtor's ethic. The debtor's ethic. And what it means is this. We live our lives trying to pay God back for what he gave to us. And in that, we start entering into a negotiation with God. A give and take. I see you want me to do this. And so if I do this, then will you do that? And it, and it somehow, in the, I think, in the secret law of the soul, and then just in life, so much of life is conditional. It's if you get good grades, you do well in school. If you work real hard, you'll get promoted. If you, it's these, if you do this. And so we're taught so much, especially in America, especially with the American work ethic and everything that happens in it. We're taught to live that way. I think we're taught to live that way so much that we actually approach the Word of God that way. When we approach the Word of God that way, we approach our faith that way. We approach it with a negotiation with God. I used to teach this and actually say it, and I understand the meaning beside it. It sounds very humble and right, but it, it's this, and Brenda and I talked about this as I was studying through this, and I was bouncing ideas off of her. Have you heard this before? God's love is free, but I owe it everything. You ever heard that before? Some type of teaching? God's love is free, but I have to, I have to give back to the Lord. You know, there's no place in Scripture that tells you that. It's an inherited, it's a, it's a knowledge thing that comes into us by this debtor's mentality. Now, it sounds like a wonderful statement. When you carry it out, there's, there's good things in it that we want to do things for the Lord. But, you know, most of the Testament isn't about what you and I do. Most of the New Testament is not about what you and I do. It's what he did. Most of the focus of it is this conclusion, look at what Christ has done, receive it. And as we receive it, it comes into us. It, it changes us. He did that which we couldn't do. I can't get behind the veil. He did. I can't rend the veil. He did. There's so much of this that is invitational for us to see differently. So I went, okay, I want to start seeing conclusively. And then I went, how do I do that? And I, I got this little invitation, just this word from the Lord about breaking the barrier of conditional living in 2014. Because it's a barrier in my life. And this, this really is a question for all of us. So he's come to the end. He gets ready to die on the cross. And we all know these famous three words. What does he say? It is. What did he mean? What's done done? What does that mean? Complete. But what was he referring to? 
come on, let's do a little study here this morning. Get our, our thoughts going. Huh? Payment for sin. Was that all he was talking about? The old covenant. But was that all he was talking about? Restoring the relationship with the Father. What? Rest, not works. It is finished. Now start personalizing it. What does that mean for you and me? Yeah, no more striving. It's, it was done for me, but when it's done, it begins. He is the, come on, so some of you, most of you are fairly well acquainted with the word. And for those of you that aren't, you can hang on to the rest of us and you learn by being around us. He is the beginning and the whatever he started. This gets mind-blowing when you start reading the word of God. Because, see, we're finite, and we're stuck right here, and we think we're someplace in the middle. And remember, I want to challenge you on your thinking this morning. Think big with me. Look at this. In the garden, when Adam falls, do you think God knew he was going to fall? So that means before Adam fell, God had a plan. He already knew. He's the beginning and the end. He's not stuck in time. And I think so much of our spirituality gets stuck because we see it stuck here. So Hebrews 12 says this. Don't, don't get caught by things, sins that so easily snare you. Looking unto Jesus, say louder. The, the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end. Looking unto Jesus, keeping your eye focused on it is finished, because he's the beginning and the end. And so when I start seeing the now in my life, I can start thinking conclusively. And it changes the game. Because now, I'm not stuck with what is. God has a bigger plan of what will be. And he knows about it. He actually knows about it. Does that mean I'm not going to ever experience anything bad? No. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means that God knows the end result before you begin the process. Oh, and that's huge. Because that changes my ability to trust that he will be there in every situation. So if the old covenant was finished and a new covenant began, then it's actually the entire way that was changed was how man was relating to God. It wasn't working, so God comes down to relate to man. And he does it in a step-by-step -step process through the covenants. In 2014, in the coming months, we're going to look at it in more detail. What did change? What really happened? And why does that mean something completely different for us?
when Jesus made that way and the human heart receives it and believes it, this is what 2 Corinthians 5 says, behold, all things are new. The old, it is finished. And I am new. I am something other now because that which he finished, he also began and he put, began this again in me. Is this making sense? You tracking with me? Listen to Romans 8 too. Some of the other it is finished. Because this is one God has just, in my life the past three years, has taken this scripture and it's just been, it's been an absolute explosion in my heart and the way I approach life. I'll read it. I'm going to read you two or three different scriptures. This is Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law he's talking about there is not the covenant law. He's talking about pre-covenant law. He's talking about a principle that was laid in the earth that when that wrong fruit was eaten of from the wrong tree, that it brought in a death into humankind. And he said, when I knew that that was going to occur, I had Jesus prepared to already set you from a law that was put into place. Romans 10.4 says this. I wrote a little bit. By the way, have any of you seen that little a New Day Grace Network thing that's gotten started on Facebook. How many of you are on Facebook? Really, that few? I thought there'd be more in there. Well, get get on Facebook and become a part of that New Day Grace Network. It's just a place where we write encouraging words to each other. It's, I think it's called Growing in Grace. And somebody took my invitation last week and went, okay, I'll start that. And I think there's like over 90 members already in a week. People, and not just from New Day Church. I mean, it's, it's from all over. So I wrote a little thing in there about this verse because this is one of the other ones I'm, I've been meditating on. Romans 10.4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. It's the end. I don't live in this type of thinking in which I think conditionally. If I do this, then I get this. If I do that, he's freely given me all things. Well, it sounds like a word game when you come to the reality of circumstances. No, it's not. I'm starting to see conclusions, and I'm starting to pray conclusively, and it's this. Everybody wants to think and act biblically, but true thinking and acting biblically is this seeing the end of matter and praying it over my life. Being completely transformed according to what the Word says. So if we look at another one. We all know this one well. This is, I'm going to share a little of my old, old style, but of, of what I feel like I'm breaking free from and inviting you to it. Romans 12.1. I beseech you, brethren... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, some of you have this memorized, by the mercies of God that you do what? 
present your bodies or offer your lives as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Now, when I read that before, I went, I need to repent first before, as I'm doing that. So, but it doesn't say that. It's a declaration over what your life already is, that you present your life as holy. It doesn't say get it there so that you can present it. He sees it already. When you present yourself to God, he sees it as what? Holy. Now, think, think, don't think conditionally. Think conclusively. God sees me as So I had a little debate with somebody about three weeks ago. Not a mini debate. It happened after church. They said, well, do you mean you're walking in sinless perfection? No, it means I'm walking in the righteousness of Christ. Two completely different conclusions. I'm walking it. He sees me as holy because he has concluded this matter. I was worth saving. I was worth living in. I was worth it all to him because of what he did. And here's the conclusion. It's finished. Not just for Jesus. For who? Lloyd. I'm finished. Acceptable to God. When's the last time you looked in the mirror? Who can I pick? I'll pick on Bob because he's my good friend. Do you notice Bob's beard? I'm really liking that stuff, man. So you see here, here, instead of saying something, let me invite you to something. Get up tomorrow morning, and when you're getting all ready and getting your beard all nice and, and as you said, you mow yours. I just let mine grow wild. Look at that person that's looking at you in the mirror and say, you are totally acceptable to God this day. Because that's the conclusion of the matter. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to negotiate it. You're not in a preconceived if-then condition. You're holy and acceptable to God. He said, and it's this. I can almost feel like Paul. I wish Paul could talk to us in the vernacular. He goes, which is really what you ought to do? Or as the word says, which is your reasonable service? It sounds like such a documentary type thing instead of this relational thing. He says, don't you know God sees you as holy? Come, come and present yourself to him that way. It's a way different way of thinking. It is finished for Lloyd. So he's seeing me that way. And he said, hey, come to me that way. Don't come to me conditionally. Come to me conclusively. I'm yours. You're mine. I told you that you, I would be in you just like the father was in me and I was in the father. I will come be in you. Huge thoughts. He said, and don't be conformed to the thinking of this world. Don't start negotiating with me again. Lloyd's loose paraphrase. Don't negotiate your life with me. Don't be conformed to the way the world thinks. Don't live with me conditionally, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove who you're going to prove it to. Me. So you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I am the perfect will of God. 
You are the perfect will of God. The thing you're going to prove it to is who? Bob Dylan used to have this old song. I know some of you don't get into Dylan, but I do. It's this, going to change my way of thinking. Got to change my way of thinking. You see, I used to, are you like me? I used to do this with this scripture. I used to repent a hundred times over my sinful thoughts. Did you do that? I used to spend all that time repent. And you know what? Not ever that, that much never really changed. I'm not saying it was bad. If you, if you got something between you and the Lord, I think you ought to confess it. I'm not one of those grace teachers, so never, you never have to confess your sins. Oh, if it's hurting you and you feel an obstacle, yeah, go talk to him about it. He sees the end of the matter. He did the end of the matter. You don't go to him to get forgiven. You go to him because you are forgiven. Huge difference. One's conditional. The other's conclusive. I'm forgiven. So when I don't feel okay, I go get okay. But it's this. I will do that a hundred times, but I don't do it this way. Lord, because the word repent means to change the way you think. That's really what it means. We, we put different connotations on it. But in the original Greek language, that word is metanoia, and it means change your way of thinking. You're thinking of it backwards. So what he's asking you to do is stop thinking conditionally. Change the way you're thinking and have your whole being transformed into the it is finished brand new into that type of thinking it changes your whole relationship to God and your relationship to that word and I stopped looking at and negotiating my life with God I can't believe how much of my my past I spent pleading with the Lord change this change that about me why do I do that again oh if I could just not be that way Instead of embracing, I am not that way. I'm not talking about a word game. I'm talking about repenting of the way we think and think bigger. Think about the perfect one who's come inside of you. Dwelling with you. See, we try to negotiate because we don't think God is compatible with us. But in reality... Jesus already sees it as finished, and he is totally compatible with you. Totally. He likes it. He wants to dwell in your heart richly. See, we didn't choose this way. We didn't make this up. He did it. It was his idea to come and dwell with you. This isn't in any of my notes, but, you know, we're like, do you know the story of Mephibosheth? Yeah. Yeah. See, he's the one with the debtor's idea. You know, he is saved. He's, he's the one child gets saved out of Saul's house. And David, in seeing the bigger things, the finished picture, he goes to this kid, and he was, do you know the story? 
most, most, some of you won't know the story, but he was dropped by his nanny when they were trying to escape, when there was warfare going on, and it crippled his feet. And so he was hobbled, and he, he was crippled. And it, it's so symbolic because it speaks to us of our old nature being hobbled. You know what David does? He goes and he finds him and he says, you know what? I want to tell you this. I loved your dad. And because I loved and believed in your dad, I want you always have a place to eat at my table, at the king's table. You will never go without. I will feed you. I will take care of you. You are welcome here. He can't see the end of the matter. He only sees his circumstances and his shame-based identity. You know what he actually says to me? Am I a dog that you come to me? Are you showing pity to me? He's got, he wants to, so he wants to negotiate with David. And David in this place is a type of Christ. They don't negotiate. Are you, I'm crippled. Weren't you crippled? I was crippled in my humanity, totally crippled. But here this king comes and says, oh, you know what? You sit and eat and drink at my table all you want. All this is is another way of Jesus telling us the prodigal story. Nick, you were always there. You were always my kid. Come on, eat at my table. Oh, no, unworthy, unworthy. I'm really a horrible person, and you can't do anything with me. He says, no, come and eat at my table. Quit negotiating with me. It is finished. Come on in here. It's time to have fatted calf barbecue. Really? And it's just, it's here. Having our thinking transform so differently. You don't, you know, and the, and the problem is, is we do, who, whoever said that the old covenant was finished and a new one comes, it really is, you know, the old covenant was a negotiation. Really was. If you do this, then I will do this. The new covenant is completely different. It's not a negotiation. It's not a bargain. It's not a condition. The new one is between father and son. He totally keeps it. He totally completes it. And it's a covenant of forgiveness. It's not a covenant over conditional living. If then. It is a covenant of finished, finished work covenant of total forgiveness. You can't, matter of fact, that's why much of our Christianity doesn't work. Is we keep trying to negotiate our faith with God. He's going, no, it's already done. Heck, once in a time, he just looks down and smiles at us. So how much of your prayer life are negotiations with God? Lord, I'll stop doing this so that you can do this in my life. Really? Do you remember he said it's finished? If you do this, I'll do this for you if you do that for me. You know, it's sort, it's sort of like, we're almost like Gollum. In the, in, the, in the second Lord of the, I know, I'm a nerd. The, the second Lord of the Rings thing, you know? Do you remember when he gets caught by the two little hobbits? 
and they put that elven rope around his neck, you know, and it's, it's burning him, you know. And he's begging him, please take it off. He starts negotiating with them, you know. And then he says this really funny thing. We'll be nice to them if they're nice to us. <laughs> so we try to, we do the same thing. We negotiate with God. We negotiate with the devil. We negotiate with ourselves. We forget every rope of restriction was lifted off of us. He bore every rope that tied up our lives. He bore the ones that pinned my hands. He bore the ones that, that made my thoughts go that way. It's finished. It's done. He no longer sees us that way. We got to change our way of thinking. If we're going to repent of anything, if we're going to be transformed in our thinking of anything, it's we've made too much less of God. We magnify our circumstances and sin. Anytime you're arguing over God about how great your sin is, you're already from a defeated point. And you've already told God that the sin that's in your life was bigger than the accomplishment of his cross. That finished work inside of me. I did this a lot of my life. I made sin bigger than God. And he finished it. Here's what conclusive thinking will actually do. So if you start looking at things as con in conclusions, I just want to read a verse to you. Now I want to read something else to you. Because I think this is... See, I don't know if you've done this, so I was just writing this, and I was thinking about all of us, not just Lloyd, but about all of us. I thought, we will list out his demands and repent and repent over how we're not living up to them, and not once look over his incredible promises that he has already fulfilled on our behalf and given freely to us by his grace. I, there's one thing that transforms my thoughts that can cause me to see differently, and that is the work of the cross. It is finished. He intersected this timeline of my life. That's why I look at him. He's the author and the finisher. And if my circumstances aren't very like I like them right now, quit looking at the circumstances and see the end of the matter. We win but if we win that means you've already won I don't think grace was designed to free us from every circumstance's life but I think grace was designed to empower us not just to survive them but to reign over them and that's what the word says conclusively about me listen to this this is Romans 5 it was really interesting. As I was looking at this, I had three other people were meditating on it, like either through an email or and, and a dear friend, Brian Pugh, was meditating on it over break and put this scripture up. Listen to, listen to this, verse 15. Isn't this good? Not because I'm saying it. I just mean this is God's word is so good. It's so freeing. The free gift 
is not like the offense. He's talking about the offense, the, the sin, the third sin that happened in the, in the garden. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God. Much more. It actually means super above that. Far beyond what that was. See, we make sin big. Far beyond what that was, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from from the many offenses resulted in this, justification. When he said, it's finished, it means it's paid for, justified. All concerned about the wrath of God today. I guess it's because we, we think we're in some kind of end time scenario, and I don't even understand that stuff. The more I look at eschatology, the more I go, yep. Well, there is one verse that absolutely blows me away over eschatology. Behold the Lamb of God slain the foundations of the world. Before we fell, he had a plan. And he sees it from beginning to end. Don't ever forget that God's God and he's bigger than we are. Adam's sin was not bigger than God. God was bigger than Adam's sin. He didn't come ask Adam where he was at because he was concerned about it and needed to respond. Here, let me think about what I should do about this. Let's see, I'm God and I could orchestrate this or this or that. No, he knows beginning and end. He's the author and the finisher. He was outside of time. He was not sweating one drop. He bled before Adam fell. He sees it completely different. He sees it concluded. He sees your life concluded. That's why Jeremiah could prophesy over you and say, I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. To give you a hope and a future. What are you sweating it for? I already see the beginning and the end of it. You get to swim in the river. Let's go back to the verse. Verse 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. That is a conclusion that comes with a question for us this morning. I'll I'll turn it off me and turn it on you. I normally don't preach this way. Are you reigning in life? Do you believe that a gift of righteousness was given to you and an abundance of grace? If you can see that conclusion, then you're going to reign in life. You don't have to negotiate it. The deal's already been laid out. This is stunning. Changes our approach to everything. And all of the work, you know, are you saying then that there aren't any, you know, this? No, I, I know there's... I know there's very difficult things in life. 
I'm experiencing them right now. I don't mean teaching, just in my own. <laughs> and I understand, well, there's demands in the Word of God. Yeah, but you need to change your language. There's invitations in the Word of God. So I don't, grace, I don't think grace means you'll, you'll never have to fast again. No, God might invite you to a fast. Well, then obey him. I would say just take him up on his invitation. He's got something incredibly planned for you. He'll invite you to say no to certain things. Certain things. Most of the time he invites you to say yes. Because this is a, I saw this on Facebook too. The love of God is free, but his promises are conditional. And I'm thinking this other stuff. And I went, no! I looked at the Facebook page. I wanted to hit it. That's not true. Don't tell people that. His love is free, but his promises are conditional. That's not what my word says. Do you know what my word says in 1 Corinthians? All the promises of God are an amen. So be it. See, if I take promises and invitation of God and I deal with them conditionally, I'll never fulfill it. And you know what? He, I, I think he doesn't change it much. I think he just smiles and watches us go through these machinations and go, got to change you away. I think it. You're seeing it wrong. My promises to you are yes. Can you imagine Jesus showing up, laying beside you in the bed? You get up in the morning, you go to the mirror, he goes, oh, everything I have for you today is yes and amen, kiddo. Seriously, I'm not trying to be goofy or anything, but we're talking about we're talking about a fatted calf barbecue party, a dinner table every day, in the midst of circumstances, in in the midst of things. He invites us to see it differently. finish reading that. Verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Resulting in justification of life. I'm new. It's finished. My life is justified I don't have to negotiate to get any more justification from him. Huge. This is huge. Big thoughts, Tinkerbell. Big thoughts. It's conclusive thinking. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Here's a conclusion. So also by one man's obedience, one man's obedience, not you, Christ's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. The, the word there is actually, if you listen to Joseph Prince, the word there is called, it, it, in the Greek, it should be actually be translated, superabounded. 
that means wherever sin was, there was a greater amount of grace because he finished it. It's done. It's done. Don't exalt your sin. Exalt the one who lives in you. Changes your way of thinking. So, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. This is settled. It's here and now. That which I see is temporal. That which I don't see is eternal. I can think conclusively about my temporal life here. So this is the invitation I think God has for us for 2014. I know that not many of us are, you know, you chosen few, you band of brothers. But you get to share it with others now. And hopefully a few people will listen to it online. Here's the conclusive thinking. It is an invitation to come reign in life as the promise of God to you. And all of God's promises have a conclusion over your life in their yes and amen. How will that change 2014 for you? Here's invitations for some of us. I just wrote some of them. So for some of us, it's to experience the freedom of grace brought to your life at last. You've been listening to me for two and a half, three years now and still going, what's he saying? (laughs) Take me up on the conclusion and start praying it into your life as a promise of God of yes and amen. Grace is bigger than your life. You are in co-union with the Creator. It's to see yourself set free from even even the stuff that, like Living Waters is doing stuff, because they're going to teach you this stuff. Listen, Living Waters works, because there's things, we can have this right way of thinking and get snared by that stuff, because we've learned conditionally to exalt sin instead of God. And it's to see yourself set free from the snares and sins that so easily hinder you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. For some, an invitation this year to finally get set free from your shame-based identity. I don't deserve it. You really don't know what a screw-up I was. It's just such wrong language. It's such conditional language. When there's conclusive language, you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. You are loved unconditionally. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can steal it. It's sealed. You're going to heaven. Conclusion. Means I'm an eternal being right now. Conclusion. Set free. I hope this happens to a whole bunch of people. Set free from religion religion and negotiated spirituality. Stop negotiating. He gave you the best bargain in the universe. He traded his life for yours. He gave us a divine exchange. He sees you completely compatible. Some of the, the rest of you that already got this, new steps of faith and risk. And a friend from Scotland, Joe Ewan, he, other people, some people called him a prophet. But uh, the one, one statement I can never remember him uh, as saying is, you know, and he did it with this Scottish brogue. He said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. 
risk. Some of you are going to be invited to some of the biggest risk you've ever known in your life. God sees it as a conclusion for you. You'll see it as a roller coaster ride. Some invited to stand in grace and hope in very difficult circumstances. That's me right now. I'm in difficult circumstances. I go see a surgeon on Thursday that's going to schedule surgery for my shoulder. I have a torn rotator cuff, and I've been getting prayer and prayer and prayer and prayer. And if you remember to pray for me, I'll take your prayer because I want the conclusion of my healing. And I'm standing in that grace and asking. Some, a step into a new job or a career. See the conclusion of that. Some, to invest your money in new projects. Now, this is stuff I got while I was giggling, eating barbecue, padded cap and in my room and drinking new wine. So I wrote these down. I don't know what they all mean, but some of them is for you. To invest your money in new projects. If that's you, receive it. I'm telling you, invest it. Some of you who haven't done this, invest your money in church, in this church. Through all of this, my, our circumstances, and another, losing another church service, listen, our budgets crashed. I went, you said breakthrough, I'm seeing breakdown. Wait a minute, the conclusion is breakthrough. The conclusion is a breakthrough. For some this is where this conclusion thinking takes you. For some of you, it's to believe God for the possible. For some of you, it's to believe God for the impossible. See, I look at the, like the church finances, and this is what I mean by this. I know it's possible for God to open up and we make budget and all that stuff. I have such strong faith for that. I can believe for the finished work. But can I believe him for our own building? Some land and a building given to us freely by the God of heaven? Because right now that seems impossible to me. What's the possible and impossible in your life? If the promises of God over your very life are yes and amen... I'm not talking a loose prosperity gospel here. I'm talking about the promises of God, the creator of the heaven and the earth who lives in your life. You believe him for the impossible this morning? Can you see him as a God? Because he's the one who said this. He says, nothing, nothing is, he's actually talking about salvation and rich people. He said, you know, who can come in, you know? If there's all these restrictions, he lays out all the restrictions in the New Testament under the Old Covenant, why men will never be able to get saved. And then he says this stunning thing to his eyes. He said, nothing's impossible for God. Is God bigger than your doctrine and your theology? Is God bigger than the things that so easily ensnare us, trap our thinking? Let's close just with praying for yourself. First, I want you to pray over this. What do you see as possible? 
for this year? Pray over that right now and claim it over your life. What do you see that you know, yeah, that's possible. God, God, God could do that. What do you see? pastor's going to declare over what you were just thinking and praying about. The promises of God, that promise is yes and amen to your life. And I put my amen with your thinking and what you're seeing. Now, Tinkerbell, think big thoughts. What's impossible? What's something that feels totally beyond reach that you want to see God do? For some, it's restoration in a relationship. For some, it's your finances. For some, it's your family. For some, it's something that you just don't think could ever happen. What's that impossible one? Spirit, I say yes and amen over that impossibility. Over that promise in your life, I say yes and amen to you. Yes and amen to the Holy Spirit that's touching you right now. Some of you are probably feeling Holy Spirit goosebumps. I say yes and amen to that. He's the God of the possible and the impossible. He's the author and the finisher. It's done. It's complete. No more conditional living. Would you say one word with me? Would you say this? Amen. Say it a little louder. Say it one more time, just a little louder, just so we get it in us. Amen. Amen. Let's sing a song. Come on, stand with me.